But that immigration deal fizzles out just like 2022 does. You can see I'm a ray of sunshine today. Welcome to the Texas Take, the number one political podcast in the great state. I'm Scott Braddock, and he's Jeremy Wallace. You can find me at quorumreport.com, and Jeremy's work, of course, is at houstonchronicle.com and expressnews.com. Jeremy, I got so many messages and people coming up to me uh, as well in person saying, where was Jeremy last week? <laughs> I said, well, he's on assignment. I, I left it you know, just very vague because that's, that's what you do in journalism. If somebody's not there, you just say on assignment. That could mean they're in Cancun for all. You know, for all the audience knows, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a tough assignment, right? It's just, yeah. it's just an assignment. Yeah. But, but I do want to say people missed you. Yeah, I was on assignment to the, to the beautiful coastline of Oregon, hanging out with my folks, getting an early Christmas you know, cheer going. So there you go. Nice. Everybody, I was, okay. I was, in, uh, Everything's I was okay. in Philadelphia, Philadelphia all week with my daughter, taking in the history of the city and eating way too much great food. So back here, ready to focus like a laser on Texas politics. Are you ready? I am. I am. Yeah, you look you look raring to go. Um, we haven't done this in a while. Uh, get, you know, get, we haven't gotten one of our updates um, from the guy who reports primarily for Fox News Channel about Texas. And that, of course, is their Texas correspondent, Dan Patrick. So what I'm going to do here is, uh, let me let me get my remote. We'll turn on uh, Fox News Channel. The lieutenant governor, extremely concerned, Jeremy, about what he calls an invasion coming in from Mexico uh, to Texas. Uh, and he told the anchors on Fox that right now, He's working on the Texas budget ahead of the legislative session and putting billions more. It's it. You know, they haven't spent enough on border security. He's putting billions more into securing that border. I'm working on our budgets right now because we go into session in early January and I'm putting billions of dollars back from the Senate side back into the budget. We've already spent billions of our Texas taxpayer dollars to do the job the Biden administration is not doing. We're doing all we can uh, trying to stop drugs, criminals, terrorists, and just trying to secure the border the best we can because they're not. And it's not the Border Patrol's fault. They're doing all they can. They work for a president who I believe, and I don't use this word lightly, I don't come on here just to throw out words to get attention, but I believe it's an impeachable offense. Under the Constitution annotated, which is a government uh, paid for uh, organization that you can read online, it says an impeachable offense. One of the characteristics is, and let me read it correctly, uh, if you conduct uh, your office in a manner that is incompatible and in the purpose and function of your office. Now, no founder who wrote the Constitution, ever believed there'd be a president who would do something like this. And what is this? It's allow our country to be invaded. Patrick's not just throwing out words to get attention. Uh, you heard him say that the state's being invaded. I noticed that yesterday he put out an email to supporters where he was promoting that appearance on Fox News Channel. And the subject line of the email was all caps, INVADED. All right. So what does he mean by Invaded. It's not an invading army with guns, except the coyotes who carry them. It's an invading army of millions of immigrants who will come here illegally. 
about two and a half million last year, two million before that. By the time Biden's out of office in four years, he'll have at least four million to six million apprehended, plus another five million that we don't catch, another two million that are, are seen but are not caught. And so you're talking about millions of people allowed to come into this country. That is not the duty of the president of the United States to allow our state of Texas to be invaded or this country to be invaded. Is it an invasion, though? Well, not all Republicans agree with that. I saw where our senior senator, John Cornyn, said... Direct quote to journalists uh, this week. He does that weekly conference call or just about every week uh, he does the call with journalists, which I will once again give Senator Cornyn a lot of credit as an old school politician is so open with the press. He's always been, you know, just very uh, accessible. And, that you know, that weekly conference call that he does is an example of that. Here's the quote from the call. Quote, I would prefer to call it a humanitarian public safety and public health crisis. I think the word invasion brings up some other connotations that I don't think apply here, close quote. Now, after he said that, Jeremy, I saw where failed gubernatorial candidate Don Huffines, a former state senator who lost to a Democrat named Nathan Johnson, then lost to a Republican named Greg Abbott. Uh, Huffines said that, oh, is Cornyn just trying to get booed at the next Republican convention? Of course, we were there, Jeremy, in the hall uh, when that happened, when some of the you know most hardline activists were upset with Cornyn. At that time, he said he didn't really care about that. He just kind of brushed off his shoulder. Cornyn wins elections, right? Huffines doesn't. And this is the tension within the Republican Party all the time about this issue and others, uh, where you have some uh, of those activists within the, within the party who say that their uh, their elected office holders are not conservative enough, not hardline enough. But the ones who really dominate the Democrats in the fall are the ones who behave more like Cornyn. Yeah. And that term invasion, let's remember, like, you know, why that became such a difficult word. You know, that was the terminology that that shooter in El Paso used uh, to justify what he was doing and killing those, you know, innocent people who were at a Walmart. You know, it's mm -hmm. like that same language was used in that guy's manifesto all the way through. And so you can see people like Cornyn recognize that's a word that's going to be wrapped around you, not just in a political contest, but, you know, really, you know, you know, morally, you know, like as you go forward and you don't kind of want that on you. Huffines clearly doesn't care. Huffines is trying to appeal to the base of the base. That guy, you know, is aiming for this solid 10 percent of the Republican Party in, you know, far corners of the electorate. You know, that's all he cares about. It's like why uh, how he thinks he's going to win statewide, you know, appealing to just that corner. Like even when he was running in that that weird governor's race, it's like, it's like at what point does he decide, you know, you know, maybe I won't, you know, start offending, you know, 95% of the rest of the electorate or 90%. Sorry, my math is off. <laughs> well, you're right. Um, well, look, there are real things happening with this. Uh, Title 42 coming to an end, as I have pointed out, it is a COVID restriction, but it seems to be the only one that conservative Republicans have embraced, the only COVID restriction. Um, there is the Remain in Mexico policy, which is working its way through the courts. Uh, the state of Texas got a win on that. Uh, our attorney general uh, suing to try to keep the Trump administration's uh, policy in place of, of having those asylum seekers stay south of the border at the White House. Administration spokeswoman Karine Jean-Pierre during a press briefing said it was look the same as it ever has been, that Republicans want border security without any sort of immigration reform. 
We've been doing that work on our own, and uh, we ask, we're asking them to, hey, you know what, there's an immigration reform plan that the president put out on the first day. They should work with us and do this in a bipartisan way. Now, outgoing, defeated Congresswoman Myra Flores from South Texas said immigration reform, including helping young undocumented people who were brought into the country as children, and of course these would be the kids uh, that were helped by what was called the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. That was President Obama uh, who did that. And by the way, he did that so long ago that those aren't kids anymore. Flores said that Democrats are just playing politics with the lives of immigrants like herself. You know, y'all have had the president and the majority. Why don't you ask them? Y'all keep using this issue with Hispanics just to get our support, just to get our vote. And you've done nothing. You've had an opportunity to do something about DACA, and you've done nothing. You've made the border, the border worse. Go and ask them why they haven't done anything. They have the president. They've had the majority. Y apenas se están acordando. Now y'all are remembering about DACA. Why weren't y'all talking about DACA two years ago? Stop using this issue. Stop using us to get our vote. And then you toss us aside. That's exactly what the Democrat Party has been doing. They only remember about us and the issues that we care during election. But it's not during an election. The election is over. The election in which Congresswoman Flores lost was last month, right? She seems to have some passion for the issue. And you might think, Jeremy, that she would want to see a vote on something to do to, you know, with helping these DACA kids before she leaves Washington. But she's not interested in that. And that's OK. But look, here's the other thing. In in a in a large sense, and this is my read of it, I've only covered immigration, uh, you know, in an, in sort of an intense way in Texas for about two decades. So maybe I know what I'm talking about. She's just wrong. Democrats haven't used immigration effectively as an election issue. It, they almost never score points with it. Um, think of it this way, and you'll see what I'm saying. Immigration this year was to Democrats as abortion was to Republicans. Right. They didn't want to talk about it. It didn't help them. Right. Immigration helps Republicans fire up their base. And I think the support for a strong border and border security extends uh, beyond the Republican base. Uh, but for Democrats, advocating for people who can't vote, who cannot vote, is not a winning strategy. They just don't do that. Right. I mean, it does come up in some elections, but it's not the way that Democrats win. They win on other issues. They win on health care. They win on uh, women's reproductive rights. They win on uh, when they are able to uh, come, you know, coming up with some kind of an economic message. Immigration has never been it. And so, and I touched on this in a previous program for Republicans, they have no incentive to fix any of it because, you know, the, the situation as it is helps them with their base. Right. And for Democrats, they don't have much incentive to fix it either because it doesn't do anything for them politically. Yeah. And, and look how big of a moving target it's been for Democrats over the years. Right. Over the last couple of decades, you know, there was a point where, like, as a Democrat, they were trained to say, of course, I want a secured border. You know, it's like mm -hmm. and, the, and, and they would talk about securing the border, but not a wall. You know, it's just like but even that has kind of evolved where it's like there's not a universal like how much more border security does there need to be? So the, the issue has evolved so much over the time. And like you said, like the Democrats have kind of worked themselves in a spot where they just don't know how to talk about the border right. in an election cycle and it only hurts them and so but but look what's happening you know it's like already you all the noise you're hearing from you know dan patrick and myra flores and and everybody on the right right now is bracing for what they've wanted they now have control of the house so they will go ahead with impeachment of joe biden over the border they will go after you know secretary mayorkas 
over the border. You know, this is right. what they're going to do, even though, you know, it, it can never pass, obviously, because we know the Senate's not going to touch it. Uh, but the right. House is going to you know, have these hearings and then they're going to try to promote this. This is what we're going to hear about for the first you know, five months of this next election or this next cycle. That's all you're mm-hmm. going to hear from, you know, on Fox News. You're going to have to we're going to have to play that stinger so many times <laughs> to catch up with how many hearings that we're going to have, you know, like looking at everything that's ever happened to you know not only you know on immigration but you know but also anything to do with hunter you know biden's laptop so we're just going to be filled up with stingers got to investigate what's happening on the border got to investigate that laptop you know who really cornered the market on the immigration issue this year uh, not just in texas uh, but really around the country was greg abbott right in his run for re-election he uh, focused on it and he's continuing to focus on it. He, if you look at his Twitter feed, his social media presence is almost all about immigration. And every once in a while, there's a little bit of economic news that will be sprinkled in, like good seasoning. You know, you, you put in some uh, some news about all the jobs in Texas and all of that. But from the busing the migrants to the East Coast and to Chicago and other places like that, getting tough on the border, building Texas' own version of a wall and, and all of that, and putting all these extra law enforcement resources sources on the border. It's all about immigration. It's all about locking up that Republican base, which he has done. Jeremy, you might think given that, and given the fact that immigration inflames the GOP base more than any other issue, again, for 15 or 20 years, um, you might think that he would also have, you know, at least the market, maybe not cornered, but talking about him for president, but they're not really. What's up with that? Yeah, isn't that strange? You know, for the first time in really, you know, my entire lifetime, there's not really going to be like, you know, a presidential candidate from Texas, really, potentially, you know, we may actually not have any significant challenger, you know, with Trump in the race, he just kind of shakes everybody off, you know, and so we're going to be in this situation where, you know, normally you would think Abbott would do exactly what his predecessors did. Remember George W. Mm -hmm. Bush and Rick Perry, you know, you're coming from the biggest Republican state in America, of course, eventually you're going to test the waters. But right now, Abbott's like the rest of the Republican field, even though, you know, Trump looks like he's kind of losing kind of his mojo. uh, Mm -hmm. It's still hard to see how does a Greg Abbott, you know, go up against, you know, Donald Trump in a primary state like Iowa or New Hampshire. You know, it's just hard Mm -hmm. to kind of see that. And so you're just not seeing him do those typical things that you would think he would be doing. Again, if Trump weren't in the universe, if Trump weren't around, Mm -hmm. I have no doubt. We would be booking a flight at some point for Davenport or Sioux City mm-hmm. or some other metropolis of beautiful Iowa. But in this case, yeah. I think we can all chill out until or if Donald Trump implodes. If something happens where he completely implodes, the door's wide open and you know just start lining up the Abbots and the Ted Cruz's and you know half a dozen mm-hmm. other Republicans. Remember, like Ron Pauls and Phil Graham's and you know John mm-hmm. Connolly's. They've all kicked the tires, you know, over the years on you know trying to run for president. But this is right. a case where Trump has just rewritten the playbook. He has just pushed yep. everybody who would even think about running off to the side, except for maybe DeSantis. Yeah. And, you know, it's uh, you're, you're right on so many levels. It's uh, and it sounds to me like you're writing off Ted Cruz. But let me, let me come back to the, that in, in just a second. It's so ingrained in Texas politics that it's illegal to have the name of a person on a ballot twice, except for U.S. Senate and president and vice president. And that rule was changed by the legislature for LBJ. 
right? I mean, this this is in our DNA that 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 you know Texas politics is national politics, and it's always been amazing to me for the last you know since 2015, 2016, the last you know five six years. It's been wild to think that Texas Republicans have ceded that ground to a Manhattan developer. Yep. <laughs> it's a good way to put it, right? <laughs> it, yeah, I, it blows me away. I, I almost can't believe it, Jeremy. Well, it's, and not only, um, just a, you know, not when, only a Manhattan mm-hmm. developer, a Manhattan developer who used to be pro-light or pro-choice and mm-hmm. for gun control. You know, it's like, and yet, you know, there's like this massive, you know, you know, memory deficiency where nobody can remember any of that happened in the year 2015. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is wild. Um in uh, Washington, uh, this also happened, a big hearing on the Uvalde shooting. And, it, it, you know, you, you, you go through this year where that happened and there are people who almost don't even remember it. Jeremy, yeah. what happened to what happened to Matthew McConaughey's passion for this? You know, the kid from Uvalde who gave that incredible speech at the White House. Right. Get it really getting people's attention on it. I'm told, and he's welcome to correct me, I'm told that he's basically told, uh, you know, close friends, Matthew McConaughey has said, I'm kind of done talking about it. I don't want to be in the middle of controversy, which I get, right? Um, I wonder if during the legislative session, maybe he would speak up. He's certainly not speaking up anymore now. Just make it, and look, he's a private citizen. He's not, you know, uh, you know, obligated to do that. But I thought it was interesting that he gave that one speech and then just kind of went away. There was a hearing um, yesterday, uh, where you had, uh, Roland Gutierrez testifying, uh, you had, uh, the doctor, uh, who was, uh, tr- one of the doctors who was treating, uh, some of the young kids who were wounded. Cause remember, it's not just the kids who were killed, which is horrific enough. It was also those who were hurt, right. Who were going to live with that. Uh, many of them for the rest of their lives. Uh, this young girl, 10-year-old uh, Caitlin Gonzalez, was meeting with lawmakers to push for an assault weapons ban, which I'm here to say is probably not going to happen. They want to pass the ban of assault weapons so we can have safer schools and communities. As she was featured on ABC News. Her best friend, Jackie Cazares, was killed that day. She was very kind and loving. We would just hang out and like have sleepovers and uh, we would be on FaceTime. Just miss hearing her voice and like her laughter and hugs. Senator Gutierrez testified before that uh, committee pushing for changes in gun laws, and he described what he has seen from the evidence presented to him as a state lawmaker. And you might remember, Jeremy, uh, we saw where uh, I think Gutierrez and some state representatives as well had signed NDAs, non-disclosure agreements, with the Department of Public Safety to be able to look at some of the evidence for what happened in Uvalde. The point you have made over and over and over again, Jeremy, is that you have some people who know everything that happened or they have the most complete picture of what happened. And even the families haven't seen a lot of that stuff, right? Now, you have Gutierrez telling lawmakers in Washington that if you've seen movies uh, where there are shootouts, if you have watched, uh, you know, uh, slasher films, you've not seen anything like what he saw in the pictures and the videos or the evidence of what happened when those 19 kids and two teachers were slaughtered. Teacher lay shielding several children as best she could. She and the children were all dead. Children and bodies were dragged out into a hallway where again officers jammed the hallway seemingly watching 
few that were actually trying to administer aid to the remaining children that made it out alive. Child was dragged out of the hallway. Her face was gone. Hallways and classrooms had blood like no horror movie you've ever seen. Off camera, you could hear grown men throwing up from the side of the horror or perhaps the failure that they had caused. That audio was part of uh, KXAN television's coverage in Austin. He was also interviewed on Spectrum News right after the hearing had concluded. I've seen everything that those cops saw. I've seen children with their faces blown off. I've seen children in piles, like kindling. It isn't right what happened to these kids. And these people can stop it. This is about choices. And these people have refused to make the right choices. And Greg Abbott in Texas has refused to make the right choices. In fact, nothing has been done from a policy perspective. There have been some things like grants given to you know, law enforcement and, and some things that have been done for the school. But as far as any change in Texas law, nothing is even possible as far as the timeline that's, that's been laid out. There was no special session, of course. Uh, we have the regular session of the legislature beginning in January. So if any change in law was going to happen when it comes to guns, red flag laws, uh, school safety measures that would have to be enacted by statute, any of that would happen in the next school year, right? After after the legislature was over and any new laws could take effect, Jeremy, and it's your pinned tweet. It's it's at the top of your page there. Don't forget these faces. And I'm I'm here to tell you and you've got the picture of the of the kids. I'm here to tell you it seems like a lot of people have forgotten those faces. Yeah, and 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 what's so sad is like, you know, this is going to be the hardest time for those families. You know, it's like, you know, the Christmas season, the first Christmas without, you know, anyone you've lost is, is tough enough. But imagine like this, a whole community is suffering with this. We already know that like this time of year isn't like the greatest for everybody, you know, everywhere, you know, but just because of the fact that, you know, this is when like, you know, that, that missing part of your family, you know, is a reminder as you're getting into the holiday season. But now think about that happening on a mass level where everybody in Uvalde knows like there's a hole in their community. You know, it's like and again, like you mentioned earlier, there are kids who have been hurt and damaged who survived that day and are dealing with all kinds of stuff. You know, it's like I'm here to tell you whatever we think that we've put towards counseling and helping from a social you know, services type perspective, it's not enough. You know, it's like there's just mm-hmm. not enough that's going on there. I've spoken to people there who is like who are just questioning how we're like even helping those kids, you know, get through these years, you know, these months and weeks that are still come up ahead of them. But they're like, but yeah, it's like this Christmas season is like the hardest. Like, you know, you know, say a prayer for these people for sure. Mm-hmm. But hopefully, like we're doing more to, you know, help these people on a like on the granular level, like you were talking mm-hmm. about how like Matthew McConaughey and others who have talked about helping these families and hopefully these families are getting assistance other than through the government. Cause I'm not so mm-hmm. sure that we have made it easy for, you know, the families and the children. You now I follow all these people on Twitter and Facebook and you can see yeah. like the pain is just unbearable that these people yeah. are going through. 
And I just hope that there's help out there in this community. Yeah. And, and, you know, there are so many, I mean, it's, it's cliche to say the unsung heroes, you know, earlier the, in the year, I spoke, uh, to, uh, the association of community health centers. Uh, and of course those folks, they, and they have, you know, you know, these, these centers that serve, uh, you know, people all over, uh, Texas, when the shooting happened, you have, you know, the people who work at the community health center in places like Wichita Falls and wherever else, they just, they go there, right? They don't get, they're not asked to go to Uvalde. They just go. Um, And school district uh, employees. I know that uh, for one of the big school districts in San Antonio, the superintendent there immediately that day just said, look, in that small town, they cannot deal with that. So, uh, so all of you are going, they would dispatch their executive staff you know, from a large school district to go help them in the small school district. And that's what people do in the moment. And, you know, the way our government is set up in Texas with a legislature that only meets for five months every two years in regular session, um, there, there's, a, there's a philosophy behind that, which is that the, the government, which is going to put policies in place that are going to be put there supposedly in perpetuity. Of course, they can come back and change it later, um, but that they don't react in an emergency situation, right? That, that you know, the, the shooting happens and then there's time to reflect about what policies should be in place to try to address that before the next legislative session. And we'll see if they do anything on it. Now, I'm not going to give you any false hope The the Texas legislature is not going to pass any gun restrictions. I'll make that prediction right now. They may do some things on school safety. I do know that there are staffers and Republican lobbyists, Republican lawmakers who uh, are very interested in school safety and would tell you that the first thing when it comes to public education in this next session, it ain't vouchers, it ain't uh, you know critical race theory, any of these other things. The first thing they ought to be thinking about is, is the safety of the children. I know there are Republicans who believe that and have told me that, and, and they th- they think that needs to be priority number one uh, for for any spending uh, or any policy when it comes to uh, public education. Uh, but it's the same for other tragedies. It's the same for hurricanes. There's not a special session after a hurricane, right? They don't do that. They don't come in and go, oh, we've got to help Houston. We've got to help Corpus Christi after they just went through this disaster. Um, they, they get around to it when they get around to it. And the idea is that uh, they'll do it with a level head. We'll see what they come up with. Did you see John Cornyn and other Republicans calling for TikTok to be banned? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, are you on are you on TikTok? I I was on TikTok for a moment. (laughs) Yeah. And, And I felt overwhelmed of my inability to be cool enough to you know, not get the, you know, shilling from my children. Well, and that's what it is, is it's too cool for me. So I'm not on that either. Um, Senator Cornyn and other Republicans, and and look, I, I've, I've heard from some Democrats who, who say the same thing. Uh, Cornyn and, uh, and others are pointing out that there's a big national security issue here um, because this is, uh, you know, a, a Chinese interest, which of course has ties to the Chinese government. Uh, and basically, the idea is that if you're on TikTok watching all the funny videos, which are ex- very entertaining, from my understanding, you could just sit there and just scroll TikTok all afternoon and just laugh your ass off. This this thing is hilarious, providing all kinds of premium content for free. But one thing that you should remember, dear listener, is if a website or an app is free, that means it's not a product. You are. 
you're the product, right? They want your information. They want your data. They want to know where you go, what you shop for, what you're interested in. And in this, and that's for all of them. I mean, that's for Facebook for sure, right? We've, we've seen plenty of reporting on that. Facebook is kind of turning into what like MySpace was. Are people are people still on Facebook? I guess they are. But it's interesting that with all the meltdown on Twitter this week that you've seen with Elon Musk, uh, you know, uh, banning journalists and all of that. We can talk about that some other time. But it's interesting. People will say, you can find me on Post. You can find me on Mastodon. You can find me on any of these other things. Nobody mentions Facebook. <laughs> like no, no one wants to go back to that. So it's kind of becoming an abandoned amusement park. Uh, well, Senator Cornyn told Michael Board at WOAI Radio in San Antonio. Uh, that TikTok constitutes a national security concern, plain and simple. I believe TikTok should be banned. And uh, anybody, any American, especially any Texan who has an app for TikTok on their, on their cell phone or on their computer should erase it. Um, this is a, a way for the Chinese Communist Party uh, to hoover up uh, personal data about uh, you and anybody who uh, who visits uh, that website. Um, as you know, there's no difference between the People's Republic of China and the Chinese Communist Party. And any app like TikTok that comes from China is uh, being used to, to, to surveil and as a potential and to collect personal data on American citizens. And what I particularly am concerned about is because of the nature of these algorithms, it's almost like crack uh, for particularly adolescents who, uh, who, who uh, scroll through these uh, short videos uh, endlessly, and many of whom are inspired to try to post videos themselves so they have become famous uh, overnight. What they don't know is that all of this information is being used uh, by the Chinese government and particularly the Chinese Communist Party, and we ought to shut it down uh, yesterday. Should this be a personal choice, though, if I make a personal choice saying, well, I've got no problem with people seeing my personal data. Uh, should this be a personal choice issue or is there something larger going on here? I think it's a national security problem. Plain and simple. He thinks that this is something that is a threat to the United States. Um, I, I, I had uh, started to sign up for TikTok. Because I heard that this is so cool and all the videos are so funny. And I had also heard about these concerns about the Chinese government getting your information. And Jeremy, Michael's question there to Cornyn, um, I think, is on point uh, from this perspective. When you try to sign up, it's pretty clear everything they're going to take from you uh, and glean from your phone, right? It, it, there's this big disclosure that says you're giving up all this information, location information, your contact information, all this other stuff. And when I saw it, I thought, I don't want to give, I, I don't want to give that to really not only to the Chinese government, I don't want to give that to anybody. And I'm probably giving it to people through other apps that I use that, that weren't yes. as clear about it <laughs> with, sure. with TikTok, with TikTok. And you know, that there's been reporting on the fact that even if you opt out of location services for certain things, they're still tracking where you go anyway. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is, this is, this is what's happening in uh, the year 2022, as we go into 2023, people surrendering their information um, in exchange for the hilarity of the videos that are on TikTok and all these other apps. Uh, but the connection of the Chinese government is a serious one. And again, this is not just some Republican, far-right, conservative conspiracy theory thing. This is not just an Alex Jones thing. I've heard Democrats say the same. And you saw um, that the U.S. Senate, by unanimous consent, 
said that TikTok should not be on government devices in the United States. So there is a real concern here. Yeah, absolutely. And you see governors are starting to kind of get into the action. You know, we heard, you know, Governor Greg Abbott earlier say he's banning the use of TikTok on government, you know, devices uh, that followed, you know, Maryland and South Dakota and, you know, a bunch of other states who have also been trying to make this move too to get this off of at least government you know, devices. So if the Chinese government does have the ability to surveil everybody, at least they won't have access to, you know, where our governor is or where the DPS is <laughs> or wherever mm-hmm. else they're kind of looking for. But, you know, but that's, you know, I understand their, their concern, right? You know, mm-hmm. the, the problem is, is just so far out of the barn. And I just wonder how right. do you close down TikTok now? It's like, it's one thing if you did it in its infancy when they were first like raising the concerns, but the fact that mm-hmm. they took till now to kind of, you know, move on it, you know, it's like, like you said, like we're, we're way too far down, you know, the road here. And to try to undo that now is like, you know, you have a better shot of shutting down MySpace <laughs> or, or, you know, even Facebook, quite honestly, like, you know, then you right. would, you know, at this point trying to shut down, you know, something that we, it's hard to even shut down in America. You know, it's like, yeah, even if you and- did, you know, would we be just doing what the Chinese government does to, you know, you know, social media in their country? You know, it's like so it's, it's, it all raises all kinds of great questions that it's going to take a long time for Congress to kind of unravel and try to figure out what they really want to be able to do here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I see some of the funny videos from TikTok on Twitter. Yeah. Because people will just take the video and tweet it. You know, so why do I what do I need TikTok for? I don't. Um, have you noticed that the speaker of the Texas House, Dade Phelan, is no fan of former President Trump? Here's something that people forget. You remember when Trump said that Phelan should get a Republican primary challenger, that, yeah. that, that Dade Phelan was not conservative enough? And do you remember what it was about? It had to do with the elections bill last year. After eight months of Republicans fighting with each other about what should be in that elections bill, Democrats breaking quorum twice. They finally passed the whole thing. And then you had Agriculture Commissioner Sid Miller. You had Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick and the former president, Donald Trump, all saying that the Texas House is a bunch of liberals after that whole fight. And the reason that they said the House was liberal is because the penalties for uh, for voter fraud were reduced from uh, from um, uh, felony charges down to uh, misdemeanor charges. Well, I have had to remind senators that they voted for the conference committee report. So the so both houses of the Texas legislature and Governor Abbott all agreed, right, that those penalties should be reduced. So I'm not sure why it's only the Texas House that's to blame for being, quote, liberal about that (laughs) elections bill, which was not liberal at all. Well, whatever. The speaker has started to throw some shade at Trump. And this happened after, do do you remember, um, after almost all of Trump's candidates lost in November, Speaker Dade Phelan, uh, tweeted out that basically, that, look, the, the candidate quality matters. Uh, and this was a huge missed opportunity for Republicans because remember, all the chatter was not on this show, but all the chatter everywhere else was red wave is coming. Red tsunami is on the way. And then that didn't happen. So at the time I had said, look, this is epic level shade coming from a Republican speaker of the House in Texas to say Trump doesn't know what he's doing essentially. Well, he followed that up this week. Did you see the announcement for the Trump 
digital trading cards. Yes, sadly, I have seen that. <laughs> you saw the you saw the video where they unveiled the NFTs, and well, he hyped it up for, like it was going to be a huge announcement. You almost had to watch because it was a chance right. that he might be dropping out of the race, <laughs> right? It, or maybe he was announcing for president again. Yes, <laughs> right. It was, it, was, it was it was hyped up that much. Huge announcement the next day. What is it? So this video, if you haven't seen it. It's kind of unbelievable, and I saw where uh, news analysts and anchors were – I think even on Fox News were laughing at the video because it's so ridiculous. Um, it starts with an image of Trump. I wish I was making this up. It starts uh, with an image of Trump as some sort of superhero. He's, you know, he's got his dress shirt on, and he's pulling the dress shirt open, and underneath you see he's got some red superhero outfit with a T on the chest, and there are red laser beams shooting from his eyes, which you will hear. Uh, here in just a second. Uh, and then you see – and that, that's that's Trump as the superhero. And then you see Trump Classic talking about how great these digital cards are. Take a listen. Hello, everyone. This is Donald Trump, hopefully your favorite president of all time, better than Lincoln, better than Washington, with an important announcement to make. I'm doing my first official Donald J. Trump NFT collection right here and right now. They're called Trump Digital Trading Cards. These cards feature some of the really incredible artwork pertaining to my life and my career. It's been very exciting. You can collect your Trump Digital Cards just like a baseball card or other collectibles. But wait, there's more. Here's one of the best parts. Each card comes with an automatic chance to win amazing prizes like dinner with me. I don't know if that's an amazing prize, but it's what we have. <laughs> so you have this website where you can go purchase these uh, these Trump trading cards, these NFTs. There's a lot of money in NFTs, apparently. But I wonder who did the artwork, because if you saw the superhero with the laser beams shooting out of his eye, that's one thing. And then there was Trump as uh, a hunter or he was out. It looked like he was out in the African uh, uh, savannah, something. And uh, I think there was another one where <laughs> – uh, was he a firefighter in one of these or a police officer or it's just Trump is all, all these different characters. And there are others where and it's given. He says it's he given doesn't even like hunting. Why would they do the hunting? He, he doesn't, even like, he doesn't, he doesn't like even like hunting. Him. He said that. And he said, my kids do that. I don't understand why they do it. You know, right. it's like it's their thing. I don't like it. And yet there they trying to sell a car. And you can tell they went over the script zero times with him for, for him to have to say even even a, you know, amazing prize is like a dinner with me. I'm not so sure that's amazing. <laughs> it's just like but the, it's what we have. Like he literally he says, counteracted his own speech. You know, like even he couldn't believe the shit coming out his mouth <laughs> it's really unbelievable um but i saw some republicans uh saying uh that it, that those of us who uh, always tr were trying to tell you this guy is just a grifter here's the proof right i mean if you didn't understand it before and this was the same man who before he became president had um sold things like trump vodka trump steaks yep. remember he had trump university and all of that um it, it, these folks were saying that uh, they should be – they should all feel vindicated if they were Republicans who were trying to tell people that this guy is just a grifter. All right. Now, after seeing that, Speaker Phelan tweeted this out, quote, digital trading cards are the new jelly of the month club, which is a reference 
to the greatest Christmas movie of all time, of course, right? And <laughs> what he's talking about is the scene in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And you remember the scene. Yep. Clark Griswold, with envelope in hand, is in front of his family, thinking that the envelope is what? Is is his Christmas bonus, right? He's thinking that the that the you know the the care the uh, the courier has brought this envelope with his Christmas bonus, and most of the movie was taken up with his anxiety about that bonus, right? I mean, he was he was counting on that because what he was going to do with it, and he tells the family while he's holding this envelope, he says, "What I'm going to do is use the money to put in a swimming pool that the family can enjoy." There's enough left over. I'm going to fly you all down here to help us dedicate it. <laughs> I can't swim, Clark. I know that, Eddie. <laughs> so he opens the envelope and finds out it is not his Christmas bonus. It's bigger than you expected? <laughs> Smaller? What is it? It's a one-year membership in the Jelly of the Month Club. Oh, God. Clark, that's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. And in fairness, it does. I mean, come on. It, it's it's awesome. Now, I raise this, Jeremy, because it's interesting. You have Phelan who will push back on Trump. You have a lot of Republicans who will privately say to me and to you that this guy's done. He's over with. I mean, and there are different points at which – People who are in the Republican Party have, have privately said that uh, they're starting to come out a little more publicly now with that. And you saw more of it after the election result back in November when Trump's candidates, with, with rare exception, Trump's candidates were either really struggling or losing almost everywhere. I mean, in the Senate races, it was basically J.D. Vance and that's it. Everywhere else, Democrats were winning races that they probably shouldn't be able to, given the current environment, with a with a Democratic president who has bad poll numbers, with a, with economic anxiety everywhere, with inflation going through the roof and all of that. It should have been a slam dunk for Republicans, and instead, in a lot of places, they hit a blue brick wall, and Republicans start to say, "Hey, you know what? Maybe this Trump thing, it ain't working." But for as as sort of animated as a lot of Republicans will be about it privately. There's a lot of them who will not say that publicly still. Yeah, and look look at that result because you know, with Arizona flipping now too, you have all the border states except for Texas and now governors are Democratic. It's like look what's happened. You know, the guy who like you know pledged to build the wall has turned Arizona uh, and certainly New Mexico and California and like all, every state that has a border with the <laughs> the Pacific or Atlantic Ocean essentially. It just feels like you know. You know, he's been bad news for them on so many levels. But like you said, it's like he's still winning these primaries. You know, it's like, you know, until he starts losing primaries and, you know, his candidates start losing primaries, he still hasn't like he's not gone. You know, he still has a solid 30 to 40 percent of the party. Uh, And when he goes to Iowa, it's like we know he's going to have a 30 percent vote already in the bank. And so it's just kind of hard to imagine 
how does he get dethroned? You know, when does it end? Until it, I actually see it happen, it's hard to like predict this is it for the guy because we kept thinking this was it for the guy. You know, how many times, mm-hmm. you know, over the last four or five years have we thought, okay, this is where it ends? You know, when you know, you know, when he says there are very fine people on the other side in Charlottesville, mm-hmm. this is the end. When he makes fun of you know John McCain for being a prisoner of war for our country, oh, he's toast. This is it. You know, this is it. He's finally jumped the shark. You know, like, no, but it, it, like, it just it just doesn't seem to end. These cards may be, you know, far from the end of Trump. Yeah. Here's the nuance I would add to that, though. All of the other things were offensive. All of the other things were intentionally offensive. You know, talking about John McCain being a loser for being a POW, talking about, uh, you know, a, a journalist who's disabled and mocking the disability and some of the other things that you talked about there. This is different. This looks desperate and pathetic right that people are people are not offended by it they're laughing at him they're laughing at him instead of with him and that is the thing that is impossible to wash off you know in in and one thing that i love about politics it's actually it's the thing i love about politics is it's just a study of how humans interact right like what what attracts people to a candidate is is it's not that different from what attracts you to you know, the person you're dating or the person that you're, you know, that you end up marrying, you, you have, you share values, you find the person attractive for a variety of reasons. Um, and here's another thing that is analogous when someone's trying to date you and they seem desperate, once they seem desperate, you never look at them the same way, right? Once, once, once you smell desperation on somebody, they can't wash it off. And that's kind of where Trump is starting to get. So like you said, we'd never write his obit politically just yet because he's got a million lives apparently. Um, But this does seem to be some sort of a a definite milestone. I'll put it that way. All right. Uh, Jeremy, that's it. No more show for 2022. Do you feel pretty good about the the year's worth of show uh, that we put in? Yeah, we, it's amazing how much we've packed into one tiny little year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what what even happened this year? Anything interesting? What what's your what's your story of the year? We'll put yeah, you on I, the spot. There's no way I can't say Uvalde. You know, Uvalde yeah. has completely changed. You know, everything I've thought about schools and you know kids and us being Texans. You know, everything has is completely changed. Yeah, for my for me, I agree with everything you just said. But I also think it might be these trading cards. <laughs> yeah, For the story, <laughs> story of the year. All right. Your favorite show in 2022 will continue to be your favorite show in 2023. So make sure you're subscribed. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, however you listen to your favorite podcast. We don't judge you, but you're free to judge us. Give us the best rating that you can. Say nice things in the, you know, in the reviews and the commentary. We like reading that, especially around the holidays. You should subscribe at quorumreport.com, houstonchronicle.com, expressnews.com. Follow us on Twitter, if that continues to be a thing, at Scott Braddock and at Jeremy S. Wallace uh, for updates uh, as we go through the holidays. We're kind of shifting into, and all newsrooms do this, by the way, shifting into holiday mode, right? So you continue to follow along with what we do. Um, But I understand if a lot of you are all sort of tuned out at this point, We will continue to have our antenna up for big breaking news. Uh, But outside of that, have, have a wonderful Christmas and a happy new year. And we will see you in 2023.